0: I want to, as I I told you uh, back, uh, I guess, uh, some months ago when we first started uh, this uh, series on uh, the last days, that uh, when I I disconnected, I I wasn't uh, stopping the series. I was just moving it from Sunday to Wednesday night. There's still so much to talk about. And if you'll notice on the outline there, you will see it says, America, apostasy, and Mystery Babylon. Uh, and these areas are, are pretty um, detailed. And so, honestly, it would be hard in, a, in a, a, a sermon setting for me to give the kind of detail that I think these require. And so, we're going to be talking about those matters, American prophecy uh, we're going to talk about apostasy, and there's some overlap in these, and it's, it's really why I put them together. But we're going to be talking about these for several weeks. Okay, I'll be giving you additional outlines uh, along the way. But to kind of refresh us and get us back on a course with what we've been talking about uh, there on your outline, I begin by asking a, a question, and the question uh, is: is this why should we study these things? Why should we study these things? Now, if somebody asks you, uh, why why should you spend time studying uh, about the last days? What would you tell them? Somebody tell me, what what would you say to them? All right, so we can be better prepared. What what else? What what else might you say? Urgency. All right. Uh, I was—I think I was sharing with our staff, or maybe I was sharing it with you. Um, our denomination uh, is the largest Protestant denomination in the world, and part of the reason we are is because we've always had this sense of urgency about getting the gospel to the world. Because urgency, because we know that Jesus Christ is going to return, and so. So for decades, it has been a driving theme behind our denomination. We, uh, uh, but in the uh, 1940s, late 1940s, we baptized more people than we did last year. Now, you say, well, this is an off year. No, it's been trending down, trending down, trending down. Now, the evangelical church across America is trending down, too. I won't get into that. But here's what i say. In 1940, we were half the size that we are, and we baptized more people than we did last year as a denomination. Now, there's, there's a lot of analysis for it, and I think there are a lot of reasons for it, and they're not exclusively because of the last days, but here's the connection I want you to see, and there are a number of analysts who say the problem is we no longer possess an urgency about the gospel. Uh, And part of that is associated with we don't teach eschatology. That is the study of the last days. So the study of the last days, Ken, produces an urgency, hopefully an urgency that causes us to say, Jesus Christ is coming back. And because he is, we got to get the word out, and we got to get more people saved and into the kingdom. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Right? Uh, what else might you tell somebody? Anything? Okay, well, I'm going to give you my reasons then. Um, and we find some of these in, in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 5, too, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will, will come like a thief in the night. Now, we've heard that. That idea uh, about the thief in the night, the suddenness of the return. So the return of Christ will be not just sudden, it will be surprising. And, um, yeah, you, and and that makes sense. Jesus said we didn't know the day or the hour. We can know the season. We can know the approximate time because of the signs. But we can't know the day or the hour. And so Paul's analogy says it's like a thief in the night. And uh, which means surprising. Uh, Think about this. You don't go to bed at night and say, if a thief broke in tonight, it wouldn't surprise me. It would surprise you. And so the the fact that that the return of Christ is going to be a surprising event makes, makes it all the more important that we understand it as best we can. All right? The return of Christ, secondly, will bring... Sudden destruction. Now you say, well, yeah, because now be careful here. I'm not talking about the rapture. That's a different event. Paul's talking about the return of Christ, the literal second coming of Christ. All right? And you say, well, you would think by then, I, I mean, when he comes at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the battle of Armageddon, you would think by then, right, that people would say, oh, I get this God thing. But do you know that, that people during the tribulation, the Bible says, will shake their fist at God? I, I mean, because of the, the plagues, the vials, the trumpets, the bowls, and those things. Starting, you would think people would say, I think I'm starting to get this. And there will be gospel presence and gospel witness and believers that will be sharing, uh, for sure. And it, we know about the hundred forty-four thousand uh, and so forth. That'll be uh, living, breathing evangelists. We believe the gospel will will have uh, uh, will have uh, uh, some impact. And yet, people will still be hostile toward God. They'll shake their fist at God, and then finally. Jesus says enough is enough, and he'll interrupt the battle of Armageddon, the very end, the last battle, and he'll descend, uh, by the way, and it'll be, uh, it'll be sudden destruction. I mean, when he steps down, he says it's over, all right? So I think I'd like to know about that. How about you, <laughs> right? A third, the return of Christ should bring a spiritual Sobriety. Look at um, uh, verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Sober. That means, you know, we're in our right minds. Now, why would we be in our right minds? Because we're awake. And, what's that? We're watching. So I'm alert. Now part of the problem with not teaching these things is I'm afraid that there are many people who don't know what to look for. They don't know what to be watching for. They don't know how to be alert. Hello? So that's, again, why we study these things to help us be spiritually sober, and alert, and watching. And then, it should bring spiritual encouragement. Look at verse 11 in chapter 5 there. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. That comes on the end of Paul's bit of discourse about these things. He said, because of all of these things, encourage one another. We don't learn about these uh, things to try to terrify each other. There's some terrifying stuff that's going to happen. But we don't study these things so we can terrify. We study these things so we can encourage one another with them. Now, okay, this is where you come in. I want to ask you a question. How in the world, if you study these things and you understand uh, how, how terrifying some of it can be, how are you going to encourage somebody with that? Somebody tell me, how do you use that for encouragement? <laughs> somebody said, well, I'm not scaring them. I'm just encouraging them to get on into the kingdom. <laughs> but uh, but how, do you, how, do you, how do you encourage? And he's talking to believers. So he said, how do we encourage one another with, with this information? well, the alternative's even worse. (laughs) That's a good approach. You think that's bad? You ought to be on the other side. (laughs) So let me encourage you that way. How do you encourage people, Ken? Victory's ahead. Victory's ahead. And and by the way, um, one of the things, if we can ever Get ourselves to understand that we weren't created for this life. We were created for the next life. Now, God has purpose in this life. And that's why your life now is about the next life. But the next life is the life you were created for. Time out. I mean, an infant dies at birth or is stillborn that child goes into the presence of God. And we say sometimes, what a tragedy. And it is a tragedy in this world, isn't it? It is a tragedy to that mother or that father. And we hurt for them. But I want to tell you something. We are created for the kingdom of God. And so when an infant passes, it is passing into the kingdom of God. And by the way, I've, I, I, I don't personally understand. My mom lost a couple of children um, through birth, the birth process and stillborn. I was too young to know. But I will tell you this. If we are created for the kingdom of God, it's still a blessing when a mom carries a child. That never makes it in this life because she has been an instrument to produce a kingdom citizen. Isn't that cool? The Lord helped me with that. I tell you, as a young pastor, do I was doing for some of these moms and dads? I said, God, you gotta help me understand. How do I help a mom or a dad? And the Lord taught me that. Look, look, remember what David said when his uh, son died? as an infant at birth, he said uh, to God, he said, uh, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. Wow, isn't that a great verse? And so um, we encourage each other because of the victory that is ours, the victory that's ahead. The early church, I almost talked about this tonight, but i I I, I, I didn't. I had 12 or 15 things I had studied about that. At any rate, the, the early church called this the blessed hope, the return of Christ, the blessed hope. That's an encouragement, isn't it? Do you know in Hebrews we're told, why is it important that we gather physically? You know why? Hebrews tells us says, let us forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And I'm not fussing about those that are, have health issues of that, you understand. That's not my point. But he said, let us forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. But he said, we should gather all the more as we see the last day approaching. What is the motivation for gathering? He said it is the fact that Jesus is coming back. And the closer we get to that, the more motivated we ought to be uh, together. And and he says, and he tells us to encourage one another with that. That, that, That's encouraging information. The blessed hope. The church called this the blessed hope. So we study these things because this is our hope. I... uh, I, I've been on the phone a good part of the afternoon with just different folks that I've been praying for and praying with. Um, and uh, I talked with one of our ladies who recently lost uh, a loved one to COVID. And she just loves God so much. And I said, I just want you to know that uh, we're still praying. And, and I, I said uh, to her, uh, I said, um, you know, it's victory and ultimate healing for, for them but we still get to walk through the shadow, valley of the shadow of, of death. And I see there's Peggy right there and I just lost Paula. And it's a different journey, isn't it? And on the other side, you still we know she's okay, but you still walk through the, the shadow, but you know he's there. And this woman said to me, she said, but you know, Pastor, I thank God for our hope and she said, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And she said, so I know that he's okay because that's where my hope is. It is in him. We have hope that they don't have. I'm not. That's why we need to help them in the kingdom, by the way. And then she said this. She said, what a wonderful church family we have. She said, they have been so incredible to us in these days. And she said, what an incredible family we have. I talked to a man today who has himself come through COVID. Um, his wife hasn't had it. By the way, there are a lot, I, 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 somewhere there's something going on here about husbands and wives with COVID. There are a number of men who have it and their wives don't and they live and walk and breathe in the same house, and they, they don't have it. I don't know what the Lord is doing with that, but I've heard several uh, like that. And and w- this man I was talking about, his wife did not have it. She didn't get it. There's Mary. You, you didn't get it, did you, when Terry had it? And uh, I talked to three or four Sunday who said, no, she didn't get it, but I did. It's a It's a it's a pick on the men thing, I guess. I I don't know, but my wife did have it. Um, uh, but uh, at any rate, this guy said, "Pastor," he said, uh, "Our church is incredible." I I would expand that and say that's Christian. That's just what believers do, right? It's just what we do, and we hear that, and we we hear that. Thank you for doing that. But but. W- we study these things to encourage one another. And by the way, the darker it gets, the more encouragement you need. Hello? The spookier it gets, the more you need somebody reminding you, hey, remember we're on the right side. Remember, when you see that, just remember that means we're getting closer to our ultimate redemption. So we study these things for a, a, a spiritual encouragement. Can you overstudy these things, class? I I think you can. I I think you can fixate on it and, and so much to the point that you stop doing the things that you ought to be doing because this is true. Does that make sense? But we're not teaching much of this anymore. And I believe it has affected our urgency about the gospel. Okay, so um, all right, let's move to the second thing. So why study these things? You got it? All right. Number next, why speak about these things? We, we study it for all of those reasons and plenty more. All right, let's go over to Ezekiel 33. And we're going to look at some things uh, here uh, that are also paralleled, I think, as well in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 also. But why speak about uh, these things? Why should we teach them? Why should we talk about these things? Well, some of that is an overlap from the first thing. But first of all, look at verse, uh, chapter 33 and verse 6. Why, why, should, why should pastors speak about these things? Well, let's, let's read this section, uh, verse 1 beginning. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows the trumpet, and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he did not take warning his blood shall be upon himself but if he had taken warning he would have saved his life but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes uh, any one of them that person is taken away in his iniquity but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand now that I have to tell you if you're a preacher that's a pretty scary passage to a preacher Because to a preacher, what it says is, I've appointed you, I've put sheep under you, and you need to make sure you give them the truth. And you need to also know when to warn them. Because if you warn them and they ignore the warning, then they're, they're on their own. But if you see what you need to say, and you don't say it, and they become victimized by it, then I'm going to hold you accountable for not warning them. Now that's pretty spooky to me. So wh- why do we talk about these things? Well, for, first of all, for spiritual uh, education. Why did I move this to Wednesday night? Because I said there's a lot of detail in the rest of the stuff I want to talk to you about, and I feel that I have a responsibility to educate my sheep. And, uh, and so this is part of that process of, of, of bringing uh, information and education uh, to the family of God. Second, for uh, a personal spiritual anticipation. Look at verse um, 4, back to verse 4 we just read. Then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not... Take a warning, and the sword comes, takes him away. His blood shall be upon his own head. Um, so we teach these things so people can anticipate what might be coming. So if you, if I, if I teach it and I educate you, then you can anticipate. Okay, the sword is coming. That's what he's talking about—the sword or the enemy. Or you, you use let sword represent whatever it may be eschatologically that is going to come our way. And so you're educated by it. Then we teach this so you will anticipate it. Anticipation is, is, keeps us from being taken off guard. So you've been educated and now you anticipate uh, what's coming. So, um, so uh, we speak, teach, talk about these things for that reason. And then third, for spiritual and physical... Preparation. Uh, again, verses three through five is all about warning and uh, helping um, uh, others know how to prepare. Um, and so, um, it's vital that we we study this stuff personally, but that we also teach this stuff publicly. Does that Does that make sense? We need to teach it publicly. I, uh, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not upset at those who don't, but I think if you're going to teach the whole counsel of God, this is one of the major themes of the entire Bible. And we do a disservice. I believe the pulpit does a disservice if it is not teaching, educating, uh, so that... Uh, so that Our people can prepare themselves and anticipate. Uh, I think we ought to be the most optimistic people on the planet. I really do. But we should not be naive either. Jesus said we must work while it is still day. The night comes when no man can work, and he was alluding to the last days. The day is coming. Hey, would you have ever sat in church in our lifespan and began to contemplate the hostility that is forming against the church? I have to tell you, when I was called to ministry, my early years of ministry, I've been doing it now well over 40 years, I didn't foresee any of this coming. Now, I did about a decade ago. I've been telling you what was coming for a decade. But I mean, in those early years, I, if you would asked me, will there ever be a day in America where it will be difficult to be a Christian or, or there will be persecution? And I believe it is conceivable that in our lifetime there may be persecution that comes to the church in America. That's why I'm big on religious freedom. Because I hear things and I read things that cause me great concern. Now, we want to be careful about this stuff, but I want to tell you something. Bob and I have talked about this. I don't know where Bob went, but we have talked about this. The frightening thing to me uh, about COVID is that How many people it keeps out of church. I'm not fussing, okay? I know we got to be serious about that and take that. That's why we're doing one of the things we're doing. I know we got to take it serious. So I'm not minimizing it. Listen, I've had it. Um, I are one, okay? But there's so many believers who are living by fear. And I've even seen pastors that I want to say, are you identified by your fear or your faith? Faith doesn't mean I do stupid things. Go back and read my column. I I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago about that. But here's here's my concern. If the church can be vacated this easily, can you imagine how empty it will become if the culture begins to persecute Christians for believing in pro-life, for not accepting uh, uh, gender dysfunction, for standing up for marriage as between one man and one woman. And I'm going to tell you we're headed there and that's when it's going to get real hostile to the church. And if something like this could empty the church, again, not fussing. Y'all understand that, okay? And those of you who are watching by live stream, thank you for tuning in. Not fussing. I'm just saying, can you imagine what will happen when the the, the heat is turning and there are people right now in this country in America that would shut the church down if they could. They would shut it down. A court, Mark Deaver's church, Chuck, did you see this? They, they actually won a case in Washington, D.C., a Southern Baptist church who had to sue to, to be able to even hold a meeting outdoors. Uh, the court ruled in their favor. But Would you have imagined in America you'd ever have to sue in order to have a worship service? And so, um, so we ought to be optimist, but we ought not be naive and think that difficult days are not ahead. I I think I've told our staff this. God, this stuff we're experiencing maybe an actual part of God's purifying of his church. I've said this before. If Jesus was your pastor, this church would be a lot smaller. You understand what I mean by that? Because he would, uh, he would, he would say things like he did to the, the young guy that said, I want to be your disciple. He said, great. He said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. The guy said, I don't want to be a disciple that bad. That's what I mean when I say Jesus. Because Jesus would probably say things that I don't say. Well, uh, so this stuff is important for us, so we can prepare our souls, not just physically. I'm not talking about being a prepper. Maybe you are. I'm not fussing at you if you are. That's not what I mean. But my 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 point is, we need to understand, be taught these things, so we can be prepared physically, but so we can have, prepare our souls spiritually for the things that we might face before he returns. And I'll tell you something. Do you know why the early church called it the blessed hope? Because they, look, they lived their entire lives under persecution. So what they did is they saw, this is going to be over. Jesus, come back. Please come back. Our hope is in you. Come back so that we don't have to continue to live under the 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 fist of persecution and suffering. So so they looked at it as a blessed hope. The hotter the temperature gets the more attractive going home to be with Jesus is or for him to come and get us. Amen? Well we're gonna stop there. Uh, bring your outlines back um, because I'll go ahead and tell you what the next thing is. What about and, and you're you're waiting for this to be uh, a, an S word? It's not. Some of y'all have been sitting there trying to figure out what the third word was going to be, weren't you? It's got to start with an S. What will it be? You may have come up with a good one, but what about America? And this is going to launch us into a lot of information. So that's why I'm not even going to start it. I'm just going to tell you this is the next phase of our set. What about America? Where is America in all of this? And I'm going to talk to you about uh, a lot of different scenarios and uh, there's just a ton to talk about there. Okay. All right.